might be another car. But hello, hello, and welcome to the Will See Blogs podcast. Today, I have a new voice. I, I said new face before. <laughs> and this is Andrew Parker. Andrew, say hello to the people. Hello, hello. Andrew is a developer here in New York. A software developer? Is it software developer? I wrote that in the notes. I might be wrong. Yeah, it's software developer. Yeah, I know stuff. I'm not dumb. Yeah, no worries. Uh, my name is Andrew Parker. I'm a software developer by day, musician slash video game enthusiast by night. Uh, yes, I am one of the founding members of Raised by Tigers. Uh, me and my buddy James Letty founded it a few years ago, and we've been rocking New York City ever since. You're good. I had to mute myself because I was like, sirens, police. Yes, but that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, how did you even get into software development? I'm very thoroughly conf- not confused, interested. I can't speak again. Having a hard day. Tell me. Give me some information. Uh, yeah, when I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I decided to go to school for computer science, spent a year doing their theory specialization for the bachelor's degree in computer science and realized I hated programming. Mm. So I decided to become an IT guy because that's a little bit easier and a little bit more my realm because I was doing IT work in college. Graduated from that, moved to New York City, got a job as customer support for a software company. Um, and about eight months into that, somebody asked me if I wanted to try development and I said, sure. And, uh, here we are seven, eight years later. Oh God. Isn't it crazy how time flies? You don't even know what life looks like at one point. And it's just like, boom, did you expect yourself to be in that position years before? I, I doubt it. Right. When I moved here and got the job as customer support, they had talked to me as they were hiring me saying that there's opportunities to move into development or to project management. So I'm not just pigeonholed into customer support because gotcha. I don't know, most most people don't want to spend their life doing customer support. For sure, for sure. And then what about music? How does music impact your route along the way? Uh, yeah, so one of the reasons I chose New York City was because of its music scene. I've been playing music since I can remember. Um, I have a pretty musically inclined family. Um, we got our voices from our dad. Unfortunately, nothing from our mom but our good looks. <laughs> I've been playing music, playing guitar since I was about 10, and I've been singing since I was probably 11 or 12 or maybe even a little younger in choir and whatnot. But yeah, I've always had a passion for music. Uh, I just could never really stay away. So as soon as I moved to New York City, I started doing open mic nights, um, and I met a handful of musicians that I ended up playing in bands with and just working on projects with. And yeah, I mean, it was one of the reasons I moved to New York City, and I'm grateful that I've had so many great opportunities to perform music in New York. How has it been throughout the pandemic? Because that's a big pause for a lot of people musically. So how's that impacted you and also Raised by Tigers? Yeah, so uh, it's been a little rough. Um, We actually got to a point where we were playing pretty much once a week in Manhattan, Um, usually bar gigs where we'd play about three hours of cover songs, a couple originals here and there. But we were playing about once a week at a random venue in New York City. And then we were playing uh, like original gigs, like ticketed gigs, probably once every other month. So we were we were performing a lot and uh, it was a hell of a good time. We played the last night that all the bars were open. What I think it was March 9th, maybe March 10th, Mm. uh, 2020. And uh, the manager came up after our last set and said, hey, guys, this is going to be our last night that we can open. Um, De Blasio is closing all the restaurants for takeout only. So Mm. we played one extra hour just to, you know live in the moment and uh yeah we haven't played a live show since because of coronavirus the most challenging part about it i think was uh we were kind of in the middle of releasing an ep yeah so we actually we released our first ep last year in october so the good thing was is we had plenty of time to get make the small edits we needed and it kind of gave us a little bit more time 
because I mean, when there wasn't really a release show we had to plan, there wasn't any of that kind of, I don't know, build up to the big release. Uh, we did actually, we were fortunate. We did a live stream from my fiddle player's rooftop um, for the album release party, which was very fun. I mean, luckily we're in 2020, 2021. So the technology that we have at our fingertips is incredible. And there's still many, many ways to reach people who want to hear your music. It's just a little bit harder now. Yeah, you, you beat me to the punch because I was about to say how did that end up being the edit max has said i want to talk yeah this <laughs> this dog we didn't we, i forgot to say i had a cute dog named max he likes to get upset when there's people in the hallway even though nobody bothers me so he, he has just, to be he has to play the tough guy bro i don't blame him he also he got concerned when i said hello because he thinks that i'm on the phone and he thinks that means someone's here so oh so a little, little he's a little hello is one of his trigger words if i like pretend to answer the phone and say hello he starts barking because he's like oh someone's here to see me and he gets, <laughs> he gets very happy because he loves attention oh that's a perfect level of excitement so throughout all of this you have the software background music background which is so funny because i did music for a little bit terribly they made me a singer it was not good don't look it up <laughs> it's hard to find anyway but then the main or one of the main reasons is because you are a gamer through and through which obviously this podcast isn't exclusive to gamers but it is my nerd forte and it makes conversations easy so tell me a little bit about your background in gaming yeah of course uh so i do much like music i've been playing games as long probably longer than i can remember it was mostly computer games like Windows 94 type stuff, uh, mm -hmm. Oregon Trail. I'm trying to maybe Minesweeper. I'm sure we were playing that. Um, but it was it was a little challenging in my household because I remember distinctly we were living in North Carolina. It was probably 1998, 1998, 1999, maybe, maybe 2000. Um, like our parents refused to buy us a video game console. And that was what, around the time that PlayStation 1 had already come out. I think yep. Xbox was due to come out the 64 was already out mm -hmm. so we we walk a couple houses down in the cul-de-sac to one of my buddy's house who's having a garage sale he's selling his super nintendo with about 20 games for like 20 bucks mm. so our our parents finally cave after all me and my three siblings harassing them saying like hey come on it's time to get a console look we'll bond with each other over it so we got the super nintendo and i played so much yoshi's yoshi yoshi's island oh, um, i love yoshi's island what Street Fighter? I had so so many classic NES, uh, Super Nintendo games. Us. It was funny because it was I don't know four, five, six, maybe ten years too late. You mm -hmm. know, sixty four had been out, um, but luckily all my all my other friends had a little bit more liberal parents, and all of them had N sixty fours, and a couple a couple of them had a PlayStation and an Xbox. Eventually, when that came out, so luckily I was surrounded by good friends who uh, let me play on their toys, and so uh, yeah, that's kind of how it all started, and then. After that, uh, we moved to Korea, and you know how much Koreans love their video games, so uh -huh. I have many, many, many memories of just hours spent at the PC bongs over there. It's about a thousand won, which is about a dollar for an hour of computer access, and it's just like a, a big computer center, and there's just 50, 50 kids in there all playing StarCraft, Diablo, mm. all that fun. That was back, that was Diablo 2, StarCraft 1. Warcraft three were probably the big ones that we played. Oh, and Counter Strike. Goodness that was those. Those were the days. Yeah. They also they sold ramen and they sold energy drinks at that PC bong. So you know you would literally stay there for six seven hours and just game with the homies. We had groups of like ten of us would just go game. That's amazing. I didn't even know you were in Korea, and I'm highly jealous because all of this just sounds like gamer paradise for me. Oh, it was incredible. And we had great internet. I think we had AOL when we were in North Carolina, and uh -huh. then we moved to Korea, and it was just. 
regular normal it's like <laughs> normal <out> AOL. <laughs> right um, actually i think we had we had aol for a couple months and it just didn't work over there and it was like what like six bucks an hour it was some weird i remember being maybe 10 or 11 and i remember hearing about how expensive it was and i was like that sounds ridiculous like mm-hmm. i don't have any concept of money and value but i mean i guess i had a little bit of one but I, I didn't really understand bills and such but i just remember it being some ridiculous amount per hour um and then eventually we moved off off base and just used regular korean internet and we were cruising i was not gonna make you feel any better but <laughs> i just realized when aol had the hour thing we had so many disc that gave free hours. I don't know if it's have- that or anything in terms of the like the AOL internet disc. But I remember having a crap ton and I swear we paid for AOL like maybe once out of the time being until it became like a <laughs> model or it's just like, just use us. Who cares? So that's hilarious. So I think it's right about time where we're going to start transitioning into today's topics. for today's subjects the first one is interesting it is about cyberpunk 2077 i'm not entirely sure why they decided to hit well become news again but this one's more in terms of financials which kind of seems boring but hold on to this for a second all right in case you didn't know cyberpunk 2077 didn't really have the best launch due to poor performances on console in fact i don't even think i'll know a lot of people who personally had it on pc and was like this is amazing unless they had well the highest of graphics cards which that's another story that's our third topic we'll get there when we get there but this resulted in the game being delisted from sony and it led to nearly automatic refunds on all consoles in fact if you attempt to do it such on your xbox you have to kind of explain it but it's a little more streamlined sony they don't care they just give it to you right off the rip so cd project red's yearly financial report finally gave us a concrete idea of how cyberpunk 2077 went in terms of refunds in 20 2020. Those refunds that were issued in 2020, that seems to be roughly around 215,000 units with an estimated refund. I think it's supposed to say 36 million refunds issued in Q1. Even so, the game remains a huge success selling 13.7 million units and a net profit of 305 million. I just, I sounds like I'm just throwing math at you. This is, this is the interesting part of it with how many refunds that would have been to a normal developer probably would have shut down that development team unless they have the financials to bounce back. Uh, fortunately, uh, CD Projekt Red has The Witcher 3, which has kept people happy, but also they just seem to have built that sort of camaraderie with consumers, realistically. And I mean, this is where I'm opening the question of is the units sold or even how much they netted shocking and how do consumers aka us or developers learn from this ordeal i'm gonna let you touch this one andrew and i'll pick up the pieces from that personally i didn't buy cyberpunk 2077 it looked interesting uh, i just wasn't really 100 percent sure it was the game for me mm-hmm. um honestly the only reason i considered buying it is because there are genius advertising in keanu 
because yeah, know, of course, who doesn't, who doesn't who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? <laughs> um, but I, I've had plenty of friends and coworkers who bought it, and between that and their experience and the negative feedback I read online, I knew I shouldn't even try. Mm-hmm. Um, the first the first probably week, my one of my close buddies had it. He was still super into it. He was like, "Yeah, it's cool, it's cool." And then at the end of the week. It wasn't even the bugs that got him. It was just, I couldn't tell you in detail, but there was just something about the game where it just didn't deliver what he expected from it. Okay. Um, I mean, honestly, I think most of their success is probably due to just the cyberpunk franchise name, the hype machine that is modern day media and technology and just the gaming industry in general. But yeah, I, I didn't really follow follow it too closely because once I kind of make up my mind about a game, if it's not for me, I kind of just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being involved in gaming at all, you're going to hear about cyberpunk and just the bugs were hilarious to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I actually I followed the cyberpunk Reddit just for a little bit to watch the bugs because it was, <laughs> you know, classic. But yeah, I don't know. I How can we learn from this? I, I don't know. We We can't. It's, it's one of those situations where it's kind of up to the people releasing the games to make the decision and i just think they chose poorly here so you have two choices when because they had what how many how many times did they delay cyberpunk 2077 like two or at, three at times least, at least twice maybe a third time yeah so they they reached a point where it was do we push it back one more time to fix i think because they knew there was there were problems they had for problems. sure i'm sure i'm sure they have enough funding that they have a pretty good quality assurance and it was it's one of those situations where you just you have a known list of bugs you're releasing with. I would be upset if I bought a sixty dollar game and it was too buggy to play like that. But oh, yeah, I've also I've also done it before, right? I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I've been buying Rockstar and Bethesda games for two decades, mm. and we all know that they have the same breaking. Like Grand Theft Auto Five has bugs probably from Grand Theft Auto Three in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, fortunately for me, I don't I don't play too many of that genre of the single mm. player. Play. I guess you could play it more than once because that that one I think is special and has a lot of different endings. But I mean, the last game I think I did that for was Days Gone on the PlayStation. Oh, it's such a great game. I, I bought it on release day, sixty bucks, downloaded it that night, and I didn't regret a single zombie slaying second. It was a good time, and I would play it again if somebody came over and they were curious about it. I'd be like, yeah, check it out. It's good. I don't know. It's it's one of those you kind of got to roll the dice if you're into it, right? If you if it looks good to you, I try to do a lot of research on single player slash play once games that Mm -hmm. I think days gone was the last one I did, which was what, two years ago now I almost bought Spider-Man, but I got Spider-Man or not Spider-Man. I got PS now. Is that what that's called? The subscription service. Yeah. The subscription. I think it was, it would, I had a free seven day trial and then I think I paid one month, which was like seven bucks and Spider-Man was on there. Those are all the reason I signed up for it. So I paid seven bucks and got to, and it was, it was spectacular. Took me back to the old Spider-Man games I used to play on, I think PlayStation two that was on. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of shitty. If you're a AAA publisher, you should wait to wait till the game's ready, in my opinion. But oh yeah, well here's the thing, and I don't know if you knew this because I I wasn't following it as heavy, but it was kind of hard to ignore at one point because from what I'm understanding is Cyberpunk 2077 has been in production for damn near two decades, which is confusing to me because I am 27 and I'm like, dude, what? And I've never heard of it prior. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I know what a cyberpunk genre is. Never really knew much about the game. Not the point. Point being is that this thing has been under wraps for that long, whatever that ends up being. What makes it frustrating, I think, for consumers is the idea that we already knew what was going to end up happening because of the fact that we had so many delays 
which in the news, they were talking about how actual gamers were threatening the developers for reasons I don't quite understand. It's a fucking game. But all right, whatever. Do what you do. Threatening them with like threatening them because they were taking too long or threatening them to saying that if they delay it again, there's going to be like (laughs) ramifications. I have no idea. I would never take anything like that. That's part of the that's part of the gamer industry. But it shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said it's kind of it's kind of everybody and nobody's fault. Right. It's a thousand percent. You're talking about from from the gamer's perspective. It's I want it now, but I also want it perfect. I want yeah, it. I want it fast, cheap, and good. And like, you can't pick. You got to pick one or mm-hmm. pick two. I think the rule is of the perfect triangle. But from the game developer's perspective, like, it's not just about providing a great gaming experience. It's also about making money. You got to push that bottom line. You got to make what go in the go in the red, or is it the black? I can never remember what businesses want to do. You're talking right but, over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember though there was a conversation saying that listen, we as investors cannot have this backlash again. We need to ship. Yeah, by for this sure. Day. I mean, what board of directors? I'm sure they have a board of directors for sure. Yeah, but it's no. but I've I've been involved in software development and. Nine times out of 10, the board of directors don't know what the hell they're talking about. The only thing they know is our investors are mad at us. Do it faster. And it's just, unfortunately, software is one of the few things where you can't just throw people at it. And uh, web development is very different from uh, gaming development, but software is software. You know, you have all the same phases. Uh, There's a lot of quality assurance. There's a lot of feedback. There's a lot of like, okay, I fixed this. Two days later, somebody pushes something. Oh, no, I need to fix this again. It's just the more hands you have in the pot, the messier it gets. Uh, Spaghetti code is an actual industry term. And I have seen many, many spaghetti code bases. This sounds Um, new to me. I'm like spaghetti code. Interesting. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much the longer a code base is alive, the more spaghetti it's going to be. Because you just have you have so many different people that end up touching it. And you have people coming and going on the project and. It just, it's, everybody kind of thinks a little bit differently. And that's one of the beautiful things about software development is you have a problem and three different guys have three different solutions and they're all right. Mm-hmm. Generally, one of them has a, a little bit better than the other for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all, it's all kind of the same creative process. And it just, I, I don't know. I didn't do enough research to know if it, I mean, it most likely was board of directors saying, hey, man, we can't do this again. We have to release this game. But at the same time, when they finally said, OK, we're releasing it. Was there a warning um, or was it just here's our full game? Like, I feel like it just kind of launched and they were like, hey, look at the awesome game we made. When, in my opinion, it like, but again, you can't sell that, right? Yeah. You can't release a game and say, hey, it's good, but it's got some bugs. Sorry, we couldn't wait anymore. That's not a very good marketing. It's unfortunate, but that happens to be the situation with most people, at least most developers who are just trying to finalize projects. I, I, even if you don't care for wrestling, that happened with WWE 2K20, if I'm not mistaken, where they knew it was an annual release. Yet for some reason, they knew for sure because they adjusted something in the code or they, they are using new scans and whatever. They knew for a fact that was not ready to ship in October. Yet for some reason, it did money. I'm going to put that assumption there. And it, there it was, the shit show of an actual product, which ended up saying, OK, well, WWE 2K series needs to take a halt, all due to the fact that it was pushed and everybody hated it. Granted was nowhere near as a hype as a single player experience like Cyberpunk 2077. Right. But still, you can see it and it becomes a little bit more evident 
especially in this day and age where I feel like if you're purchasing a game on launch, you're applying to be a beta tester. Like it just is what it is because it just happens. There's no finite product. That's why there's day one patches. That's why there's patches that release months into it. Or even some people literally wait quarters before they're able to update it. It it really depends on the game and the developer. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it's wonky to think about. And and the way that I start to think of the actual financials, like, again, if this was something that had happened to like a smaller independent studio, I mean, numbers wouldn't reach anything like that. Tell that to Valheim. (laughs) We'll get into I got I got something to talk about Valheim a little bit later. But no, I I think you I think you hit a couple couple good points there about it was probably like you were talking about the wrestling game that came out. I think I that was the one I bought. I I played one. I don't even buy it. I think it was a Xbox Gold game or Games with Gold or one of those free games they give you for giving them $60 a year or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Those um, are probably the I, older releases, though. When did that... Was it 2K20? 2K20 released in 2019. They're always a year behind. I know that they gave out, like, seven... Uh, not seven yeah, it probably wasn't that one. That. Yeah, no, it, that it was one was one a the... crappy experience. That that had to get taken off of, um, what you call it, like, subscription services right. because it was that bad. Yeah, they just... They, they don't make them like they used to. I remember playing what I want to say it was... PlayStation, no, maybe GameCube. There was a wrestling game. I can't. I can't even remember. There's, I, there's there a, was my, a one of my one of my childhood best friends uh, is a very very big wrestling fan. He actually has a wrestling podcast now. Nice. Um, we used to play wrestling at his place, and I had the best time playing. I made my custom character named the Big Butt Buster. He was seven <laughs> foot five and had oh, a huge great. ass. And most of his moves involved him throwing his big ass into you. And it was, it was just a good time. He took Rikishi's um, move set. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned uh, they probably released it as is because of money. And, you know, th- there's a lot of problems that you can run into when you're developing software like that. And uh, the biggest one is you have fixed price projects, right? So you say, okay, this project's going to cost me $100,000. I'm going to divvy up all those resources. Go. And generally, you'll budget for like, I don't know if it's, if it's $100,000, maybe 10 or 20K extra. But the problem with that is that's just not how software works. You're, you're going to run into unknowns. You're going to have bugs. You're mm-hmm. going to maybe, maybe someone gets sick. Maybe a team member leaves. There's just, it's so hard to produce good software on that kind of model. I've never built a video game, but I imagine their, their processes are similar to most softwares. I think you said nowadays when you're buying a game, you're basically signing up to be a beta tester on day one. I don't disagree with you for a lot of games. I, I think it's unfortunate that we've kind of gotten there. But at the same time, I, I mean, we have these early access games, right? Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, if you have a big game that you're trying to release and you're coming up on that release date that you promised people, you got two choices if it's not ready. You can delay it again or make it early access. If they were to say, hey, this is not where we wanted it to be, we're going to knock 20% off that price. And then maybe if they get it to where it wanted to be, then they can bump it up. Mm-hmm. I, I think gamers as a whole would have appreciated that level of honesty, right? I think that's yeah. the issue. We're it, like, same with like, uh, what? Destiny. Destiny was one of the biggest letdowns, I think, Destiny. in gaming, gaming history. Okay, I'm going to have to intervene because... I didn't dislike Destiny 1 or 2. I just knew what sort of game it was and knew that Bungie didn't have the support that it needed prior. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a pass because well, I didn't I mean, buy any on launch. So I also yeah, keep that in mind. That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I was going to say um, in my finishing is like, I don't, I didn't dislike Destiny and I don't, I don't think it was a waste of money. I think I got plenty money's worth of playing that game with a couple of my friends and I did get a unenjoyable experience. But what me and all my friends and maybe it's our fault, but what 
what I got from the gaming community is that is not what we expected, especially from Bungie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about Halo. You're talking about the guys who basically created, I don't know, first person shooter alien stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how no, to explain you, it. I know what you're trying but to it's say. Halo, genre. You know, Halo is is probably the FPS game. What that was that Xbox launch game, right? That was the mm-hmm. reason to buy an Xbox was yep. I want to play Halo. And if you wanted to play what Ratchet and Clank, I guess you'd buy a PlayStation, which not to dog on Ratchet and Clank. I love, I love those Ratchet games. <laughs> great, great game series. I've played most of them and I played some of them more than once. And that's a single player game that I would normally not play more than once. That was back when I was, I don't know, 15 and had two games to play. So times has changed. <laughs> but again, Destiny was great. I enjoyed it. But there was just something, something missing. Uh, and it wasn't just the Dinklebot, you know? Yeah. Whereas I actually enjoyed Dinklebot. When they changed his voice, him. I kind of missed it. I did. I'm a big fan of Peter Dinklage. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Robot, Robo Dinkler. I think <laughs> that was his other, other nickname. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. I just, I, I've kind of come to expect more out of, tri- well, when I was naive, I expected more out of AAA gaming uh, developers, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... It's one of those things where the older you get, the more you realize that this is just kind of how it goes. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just me being young and not understanding how business works or or anything, but uh, I'll, I'll touch a little bit more on that in the next section because yeah, I have some I have some comments about it. We're getting a little over, but the one thing I, I, I do want to mention is just that the fact that prior to being with in the gaming industry in terms of coverage, I I came with the mentality rather that you know, these sort of games need to be ready like they were back in the day. But I've just realized that when I was younger, I just took whatever and didn't really care. So as I started to actually develop or start to actually see and talk to development teams on how their process looks and whether it be a three person team or even when it's a big triple A title, it's it's a weird line that I'm on, but I, I try to be a little bit more understanding to those, especially when I'm reviewing something two to three weeks before it releases. And I try to be understanding in that regard. But also I keep in 100 when it comes down to the consumers. If if the consumer thinks this is something that's up their alley, should they invest or not? Should they wait for a sale? It's just one of those things where I guess I didn't really pay too much attention to it prior. And then when I realized I actually am like rating these games or just giving my view on it, I have to be a little more understanding, but also keep in mind, I am the consumer too. It's a weird line. I know I sound like I'm repeating myself, but I just wanted to let that be known. Also, you guys know that it is time to transition. Perfect. Uh, Second topic we have here today is EA and their relationship with microtransactions. I'm going to say loot boxes too, but let, let, let me give you the 411. So EA, we know that they offer single player experiences, right? But majority of their releases offer some sort of microtransactions. I mean, most games do in 2021, but EA is extremely guilty and I'll get to my reasons why. So a 54, Ooh. yeah. I hope that's Buddha EA and not me. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a Buddha micro microtransactions loot boxes. There was a 54-page document leaked by an insider to the uh, Canadian Broadcast Corporation suggesting that FIFA's publisher, EA, actively pushes players to spend money on microtransactions. I don't even want to go further, but yes, I do agree. If you've ever played sort of these EA sports games, that is what they want. It's like working at a lot, not a lottery. It's like going to Vegas. It's that sort of excitement. 
The document, which the leaker from the EA Vancouver provided, appears to be a presentation that frankly discusses the importance of FIFA's microtransactions fueled mode, which is FUT, aka FIFA Ultimate Team. EA disputes that it's pushing people to spend money, calling this a sensationalized story. I'm pretty sure they had to say that because they've dealt with this for years, but mm, there's probably some truth to it. <laughs> so a rep from EA said, and I quote, all EA games can be played without spending money on in-game items, and the majority of players do not have to spend. And then there's more, but we'll end that quote there. Now keep in mind, as I did research and pulled out some numbers, EA made nearly 1 billion B from microtransactions in Q3 of 2020, which is a 27% increase from what they did in Q3 of 2019. Fucking EA. I okay. I was going to ask you what your initial thoughts, but allow me to spew this before I get off of my thought process. EA, if you've played any of their games, which is predominantly sports games, or even let's not forget Battlefront, primarily wants people to continuously spend money. And if you think that you don't have to, yes, you don't. But the things that you see within the store that make life 10 times easier. I, I look at this model similar to mobile games. It's very, very easy to play the game without it, but it's also very, very easy to spend money and just continue on with your goals. EA, if you've ever played Madden, which offers a similar mode to their foot mode, F-U-T, has a lot of things where you basically can purchase these additional cards to get players to add to your lineup. It is ridiculous, and honestly, it is very tempting. Every time I play the sports game, you see that sort of push to go towards it. I don't side with EA in this conversation, obviously, because of the fact that if you play these things, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't need any sort of report to tell you that EA really wants you to spend money so that way they can continuously do the exact same thing, release an annual game, new reskin, and then boom, they got you. I don't know how Andrew feels about this. It sounds like he doesn't really like it. I'm hoping you weren't one of those people that spend your money on microtransactions. Maybe not. Educate me. To be frank, I'm sure I'm sure you and many people out there agree with me. Microtransactions can suck a big bag of dicks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I get it. I get the money making appeal. I get I'm sure they're making. I mean, we know that EA made a billion in one quarter from it, which uh, is great. I have one question about that Madden experience you were talking about. Can you earn those cards without buying them or is it a you can only get these cards if you buy them? Or is it like a, I can get them now or I can play 100 games? It's not like 100 games. It's like an unrealistic Thousand, grind. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, bananas. I, I've been playing EA games forever. Well, I don't play them much anymore, um, at least the sports ones. But I've been, I was playing Madden growing up. Uh, FIFA is one of my favorites. I think I played FIFA. The last one I played was 2019 because it was on one of those passes. I think I have Xbox Ultimate Pass or something. And I played mm -hmm. a little bit of it there. Personally, those I don't even play those modes. And luckily, I don't really like the management side of sports games. Like I like to just play the games. I usually I'll make it make a custom character, make him really good. I think my favorite games are ones where you start like crap and you just kind of have to work your way up like a lot. I think that's how FIFA my career works. Mm -hmm. But I don't play the manager game mode. You know, I don't I don't really care who's on my team. I don't have to. I don't, I don't really get sucked into that like trap. 
and I'll call it a trap just because it is. I don't know. You can't. It's so hard for me to get on board with somebody charging $60 for a game and then having such a heavy microtransaction side of things. Like mm-hmm. if, if you want to if you want to add like, uh, I don't know, skins, cosmetic stuff to a game to make a little bit extra money, like uh, whatever. If you want to release a free to play game and have a paid model where maybe you get a little bit more experience, maybe you unlock things faster. OK, that's a little bit less, a little bit more sketch and kind of pay to win. But it's a free game. What do you want? Yep. You know, they got to pay the developer somehow. But if you're going to release a $60 game every single year and what I'd be interested to see how much they made on the game versus their microtransactions, you'd only want to look at, I think, probably the first quarter or two just mm-hmm. to see because I don't know, I'm sure game sales drop after a quarter or two mm-hmm. um, from the initial hype of games. But I don't know. I, I get the I get the appeal of like a loot box. Like, that's kind of fun. It's, it's like a slot machine, right? It's a little bit like gambling. I remember there was a lawsuit and I think it was Europe, maybe. I think they're are they banned in Europe or do they get are they allowed to do loot boxes still? I do remember this conversation. I'm you remember that yeah, sure it went through entirely. I wouldn't be surprised if it did, especially with Activision, because Activision, they have Blizzard and Blizzard does Overwatch and Overwatch is all about that loot box life. So I, I wouldn't oh, be surprised if they limited that's, I'm glad you said Overwatch. That's I liked Overwatch, and I think that's one of the reasons I stopped liking Overwatch, just because it was very... I don't know. I still play Heroes of the Storm, so I can't say much, but... Yeah. Um, it's tough, and like... I mean, Heroes of the Storm is a great example, though, and so I, Overwatch is a good one, too. Free games, right? Is Overwatch free? Overwatch used to cost 60 In fact, it might cost 40 now on consoles, but you still oh, have to man. pay. All right, so they're not good examples. Here's the storm's <laughs> good example. Here's the storm's free. You got a hundred hero roster every week. I think ten heroes are free to play, mm. and then you you can earn in-game money and buy the heroes with in-game money. You can buy the skins with some other current because they have eight different currencies. Because fuck you. Regardless, it's free to play. You really don't have to spend the money on it if you don't want to. And it's one of those things where like, yeah, some heroes are better than others, but with the ten free to play roster, like it's whatever. You know, I don't know. I've probably spent. 100 bucks on that, maybe less. 60 bucks on that game in the course of four or five years that I've played it. Um, it's not that bad. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those games. It's one of those things where you just kind of have to decide if it's right for you, right? You got 10 bucks. Do you, you want to waste on a video game or not? But again, I just, I can't get on board with selling me a $60 video game. And then on top of that, making me earn that like either earn it or pay it and they argue that it's a way for people who don't have much time with video games to enjoy yeah, them but more but bull. it's you're not you're not making me enjoy it by by raping my wallet you know for it's sure not, it, you're, it's just not enjoyable i've um, been saying this for years with the nba 2k series which is not the wwe one but 2k very much is in and i say 2k interchangeably so let me just say nba 2k they reel you in with the 60 dollar okay you paid it. It's annual. I don't know why. Roster update, graphical things, whatever. And then people reorder the $100 edition because it comes with currency that helps you play your my player, which is your career. You have a custom superstar that goes through whatever team he goes through or she. I don't know if they did WNBA recently, but you do that. And the game is so grindy that it's it's very easy when you see the sale of like 5000, whatever in buck currency in situation. When it goes to a dollar, you're like, I might have to do this because I'm not going to know life this. There's no way. And I remember you didn't need to do this when microtransactions wasn't that heavy. I know I sound like an old man, but realistically, it took away the fun of actually earning it. Like, I get did it. You feel, did you feel it getting more grindy as the microtransaction influence kind of came heavier? Like if you compared it to, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. God, five, six, seven is like 
two different ball games though because most of the time but i mean you you just said that um that it's almost not you can't really earn it anymore is it because they made it such a like is it really such a drag to Mm -hmm. earn it versus buying it now versus before right I would have to agree with that because it used to be back in the day where if you played, let's just compare an NBA like 2K10 as to what you do now, which 11 year difference. Cool, whatever. But you would suck for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then learn okay, maybe I need to get inside the paint. Maybe I need to change this and be a little more careful with my game. Don't feel like I'm an all star. And eventually you would get compensated properly for that making it where now when you go to the gym and do some practicing, it's fine. You, the shots that you were attempting to take, you're getting better at. As to when you play the new one, it's like you have to suck for like half a season or if not the whole season and take very, very minimal risk because of the fact that it's your score is just going to dictate whether or not you can make such shot. So it's so stupid because the fun in it was actually you gaining in that sort of journey where now the journey is so extended that it's just like, dog, I only have how many hours that I actually want to play this. I'm going to pick and play this game for an hour and get tired and switch. Do I want to really play the game where every time I'm shooting the ball, I'm missing? Even if I take calculated shots, even if I'm shooting in the green, do I want to do this? It's stupid. And I know people might say, oh, well, that's probably because you suck. Ha ha. I get it. I'm not good at sports (laughs) games, but I understand the difference from when I'm being cheated out of an experience rather than actually, you know, playing the older ones and just being like, wow, this was so much smoother. This felt like I was being properly compensated for my time and effort. This is not going to go away. People will buy the next 2K NBA 2K game without any issue and spend $100 because they support it and they really love what they get, which more power to you for that. But it shouldn't have to be where I'm just playing the game mode, which for most people is the my career aspect and feel like I am really wasting hours of my life grinding like free to play grind for absolutely nothing. Yeah, that actually that sounds a lot like my experience with FIFA 19. Actually, I I didn't even I didn't even look into what I could buy microtransaction wise just because I again, fortunately, I don't care too much about sports games. So I just kind of put it out. But I, I remember the older FIFA games were like you'd suck for a couple games. But like once you figured it out and like once you got a few more stat points and you could like do practice and training and like you, you got to you weren't having an issue of not starting in the game, right? Mm-hmm. That's I'm, I'm trying to play FIFA 19 and I'm not even starting every game mm-hmm. because I'm just, I don't have the skills to be good enough slash I'm maybe I'm just not great at that game. So like now I can't start, which means my rating won't go up because I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. It's just this weird. And I, yeah, I, I sat on the bench for like two seasons once and I'm sitting there just simming the games and I'm like, why this isn't fun. I'm not enjoying this. You're not enjoying it. Like, I don't know. It's funny. I didn't even think about looking at the microtransactions because again, if I if I pay $60 for a game, unless it's like DLC or something, it's hard for me to spend more money on a game. Oh, um, I, I get that. Like, again, with a free to play game, like you got World of Warships. I played a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll throw what I think it's like 10 bucks maybe for a month of I think it's like a premium service where you get double XP and you get a couple other benefits that are just mostly help you grind a little bit faster. But free to play game. 
You know, they got to make money and pay their devs somehow. Um, and then you have games like EVE Online. I've been playing a lot of that again recently. And nice. you have a free you have a free to play account. It's an alpha clone. You can like fly up to, I think, battleships, which is pretty high. They've adjusted it a couple times. So you can fly up to those certain amount of ships. And that's pretty much it. You have some restrictions on how big of a ship you can fly, but it'll take you almost a year to train to that anyway. Um, I actually I played back in 2013, a long time ago before they had the free to play option. So it was a subscription service anyway. But best thing about that game is you can pay for the sub with in-game currency. So you get good enough at the game and you know what you're doing enough. You can just pay for the game by playing it, which I mean, it's, it's your choice if you want to grind that hard or not. But my point is, is they have the options, you know, and it's not as much a pay to win. Um, they have kind of actually it's interesting. CPP is their publisher and they've been getting into a lot of hot water for some recent changes they made. And they're basically everyone's complaining because they're just trying to make people buy more because you can buy in-game currency too, like through their website officially. It's not like the gold farms and wow and any of that kind of sketchy stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I don't care enough about CPP or Eve. I, I will say the changes that they did launch were pretty. They took ship that was, let's say it's worth, I don't know, 10 billion in-game currency it's mm-hmm. now worth 40 40 billion and to put you a little in perspective well and the best part about that game is when you look at the ships that get blown up it has the real dollar value like of isked dollar <laughs> of what it's worth and like we're talking that ship is probably i don't know a couple thousand dollars real real money jeez i don't know i went off on a little tangent on eve but yeah I, I long story short microtransactions are awful and i think that they're kind of ruining why i loved games so much uh in the first place well but said. that being I mean, it's really EA. EA is the, the biggest proprietor of it. I think they came up with it, right? They were the ones who were like, let's do this. I wouldn't let's be surprised. Let's do microtransactions. I mean, fortunate for me, I don't play many of the many of the sporting games anymore. I'll play it. I'll play a game, a match or two a year. But well, hopefully these things die down the way I look at it is. I mean, it's not probably not going to realistically, but hopefully some sort of laws end up being implemented. I don't know. Me being a. Uh, enthusiastic in that regard just because of the fact that i'm seeing some things happening overseas that are moving in that direction but hey this is the one thing i'm hoping that ends up happening sooner rather than later because of the fact that games i get it you're gonna need to make your money and continue to pay when you especially if you're making a game like live as a service but nobody wants to go through the process if someone bought a brand new game 60 dollars, i shouldn't feel implemented to spend more money on something Unless it's absolutely like DLC and I knew I wanted it rather than oh, this will make the game easier or this makes this faster. That's yeah, dumb. There are, there are difficulty settings for that. It's mm-hmm. not. Imagine making people pay so the game's easier. Couldn't be me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm obnoxious. Uh, and you know what else is obnoxious? Andrew, you know what's obnoxious? Tell me what's obnoxious. What? Graphic card prices? Oh, we're going to get there. This uh, transition. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Andrew, what GPU you have right now? Oh, I wrote this down, so I didn't forget. <laughs> uh, the GTX 1070. Okay, it's it's not the newest card, but it's not that old. Love that. People sleep on older cards. It's eight gigabytes of RAM or, or memory. It's you cannot solid. be mad. Listen, and this and the story I have behind it is better, but we'll we'll let you into it and then we'll talk. <laughs> yes, actually, let me let's transition into it properly. So this isn't much of a new story, rather something that I wanted to touch upon because of the fact that just I continuously go through this process of trying to find proper builds or trying to build a proper build and also what i've just recently saw on twitter just really pissed me off but anyway we're talking about building a pc versus buying a pre-built in 2021 i have my bullet points here so let me read them off quickly 
said now more than ever, it is damn near impossible to build a PC at MSRP. And that's just due to, I say graphics card market, but it's a little more than that. It's easier to secure a PS5 or an Xbox Series X rather than a GPU, which... So this conversation sparked from seeing these unfinished builds that ended up being on Twitter. I don't know why, but the hashtag of unfinished build came on my timeline and I was just thoroughly confused because it's really nice, like NZXT case, you got the radiator, you got RGB, you got a monitor, this, that, and the third, no graphics card. I don't know, it pissed me off, that's why I'm talking about it. And some people are arguing right about now, it makes more sense to get an APU rather than a GPU because GPUs are getting absolutely scalped on eBay and StockX and all these other websites. Scalpers, like I just mentioned, are selling both older and newer cards for nearly three times the price via eBay. They might have been double at one point, but I've seen most of them average at three times the price. For example, I purchased in July, or was it July? Yeah, I think I bought in July older card, like maybe four or five years, the RX 570 at an MSI build, eight gigabytes on board. And that card cost me a total of $150. And I see it go on sale for a little closer to $600. Getting a card is nearly impossible, unless if you want to take a card that has four gigs and lower, which is not ideal for gaming. So this begs the question is it easier to buy a brand new pre built? in this time and age? Or should consumers just stay patient? So Andrew, what's your thoughts and feelings on this whole situation right about now? Uh, yeah, I actually didn't really know much about uh, APUs until you asked me about it. So I did a little bit of Googling and I found out what they were. I It doesn't seem to be worth it to me for gaming. Uh, just from the very light research I did, and obviously it's not gonna hold up against the CPU GPU combo, but like it's, I guess it depends on what you are trying to play. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it comes to buying and building, you really just have what's the what's the most resource intensive game are you playing now? Can you kind of assume you're going to be playing in the next three, four, five years? Because when you're buying a gaming computer, you're going to spend money on it and you want it to last for at least five years, hopefully without touching it too much. But yeah, so about uh, 10, probably 12 years ago, I had to ask myself that same question of building versus buying a PC. And if I were doing it today, I'd probably do what I did last time, which is buy a pre-built and upgrade it a little bit. There you um, go. I think I bought a pre-built and then just bought a graphics card on the side of it and then just plugged it in. You know, it's, uh, but that was also back when GPUs weren't ridiculous. I mean, you can you can thank cryptocurrency for that. Mm -hmm. um, Don't even get but, me started. But yeah, so I bought a I bought a PC from either Tiger Direct or Newegg, I think is the other one. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I, I I use Amazon now because I'm part of the machine. Um, <laughs> I bought a pre-built from there. I think it was CyberPower PC or one of those uh, pre-built computer companies. Um, and it was it did what it needed to do. Um, the the only downside I think I've seen to those are there's two of them. They usually skimp out on some of the. I don't know, kind of secondary hardware, like your hard drives, like your power supply units and mm -hmm. power supply units really shouldn't be secondary hardware. Yeah. Um, so the experience that I had was I bought a computer. I think it was about 600 bucks. Got a good deal on it. Uh, did a bunch of research. Um, I think I added maybe a little bit of RAM or something like that. Eventually, I started having some power supply issues and ended up buying a better power supply that I needed because I knew I'd make some more upgrades. So I increased the RAM. I think a uh, 
the biggest performance increase I'll say was a hard drive to a solid state. If you're gaming on a hard drive and you play like strategy games, you're missing out because I play a game called Total War Warhammer, which is a very heavy game. It's probably the most resource intensive game I have, especially on my CPU and my hard drive. And we're talking about minutes. It saves me minutes of load time. But yeah, so I just kind of bought a pre-built, upgraded it. And eventually a couple years ago, I was finally ready to like upgrade the core, which like motherboard, CPU, all that fun stuff. Um, I had, I've upgraded the graphics card a couple times. I think I bought one before I moved to New York. And then I, I was moving my computer and dropped it maybe like an inch. And then my graphics card decided to stop working. But yeah, uh, interesting story about my current graphics card. So I bought that in 2017, $440 for a GTX, what I say, 1070. And I bought it because my buddy was starting a Bitcoin mining rig. And he was like, yeah, man, buy one of those, throw it in here and you can keep whatever you mine. So bought it for 440. About six months later, he gave me about $800 worth of Bitcoin, cashed out 500 bucks. So I have a free graphics card. So that's my fun. My graphics card paid for itself. Mm. Um, so then a couple years, I think what, two or three years ago, he turned off his rig, hands me back my graphics card. And now it's just, you know, chugging. I have an argument with my buddy often about, oh, you only have a 1070. It's got eight, it's an eight gigabyte RAM or memory graphics card. Yeah. This thing, this thing handles any, I pl- I've, I can play three games at the same, obviously I can't focus on three games at the same time, but I can load three games at the same time and just have it sitting there and it runs. As long as you got something, I don't know. It's interesting. You said four and below is bad for gaming. I think four is okay. I think I think you can still get away with four and play most games on decent graphics. Oh yes, I mean in terms um, of modern game, like if you're playing an intensive game, like if you even I hate to say it, we're playing like Cyberpunk. Just kidding. No, <laughs> it's funny now because actually Fortnite has something else where if you're you have a really dumb machine like really really simplistic and you don't have all the bells and whistles they did a graphics mode i don't know how that works never tried it but no if you're playing any sort of modern game if you're playing warzone you wouldn't want to play warzone on a graphics card that only has four gigabytes you can it's just not a regular hard drive for that matter oh hell no uh, no you're i mean you'll have the space 80 gigabytes every month yeah (laughs) (laughs) um no i mean that's a good point i i don't really I'm jaded, right? I've had an eight gigabyte graphics card for four years, so mm-hmm. I can't. Maybe maybe four is too low. Um, even on like if you played on lowest settings on Modern Warfare, it'd still be a problem with four, you think? I'm pretty sure it'd be fine. You just wouldn't want like your view details to be as yeah. blurry. You know what I mean? Because the sniper, yeah. you've played Warzone. You know you need some sort of scope when you're playing those big open maps. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, in terms of buying, building, all that fun stuff, you really you got to look at what do you need? And after thinking about Warzone, I, I don't know why I thought I forgot. I'm thinking of like, you remember Crisis? You yeah. Remember those days? Uh-huh. Like that, that was, those were the benchmarks we were setting. <laughs> um, I mean, Modern Warfare looks great. I actually bought Black Ops on my Xbox instead of PC just so uh-huh. I could play local co-op. That's I, fair. I, yeah. I, it, I didn't want to do it. I'm a, I'm a PC guy now. I, I just, there's, I have a buddy of mine. We get together every now and then, and uh, we have Friday night zombies and we've been playing call of duty world war two. Cause it was like, I think eight bucks a few oh, months yeah. ago and I picked it up pretty good. And like, it just, it's, it's great, but we've done this probably 10 times now. And it's just, it's one map or I guess two maps that just aren't that exciting. It's 2021. You got to step your zombie game up. That's why black ops holds the Kings for zombie games because I mean, I don't know. I've never got heavily into zombies, but from what I've been told, some things just either classic or nostalgic. It's a good time. Zombies is fun. Another thing you have to consider when you're 
talking about buying versus building is do you know how to buy it or build a PC? I remember I was in high school and I, I was buying my computer because I wanted a gaming one. And I think I was building a computer for my twin sister. Nice. And I had really not much experience. Like I could open up a computer and like plug something in or I could kind of debug generic hardware, simple things. But I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But I was young. I was probably 17, 18. And I was like, yeah, I know how computers work. Did no research, bought all the parts. I think the heat sink was too big for the mount. There were a couple of things and like I didn't even buy uh, thermal paste. Oh, so I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you really have to like, do you have the skills, knowledge or patience you need to? And I mean, among that, you have to find the right parts that fit together. Usually you can plug and play, but there are some motherboards that don't support some CPUs. You got to make mm-hmm. sure you have the right uh, PCI slots. You got to. I don't know. There's a thousand things that like most people who aren't nerds are going to think about when it comes to they're going to go, oh, I can just buy all these parts and plug them in together. But I mean, I think it's gotten a lot simpler in the past 10 years. But back when I was doing it, it was very like some other boards didn't even support AMD. Right. You had the the Intel rivalry in some MOBA. Maybe we don't have that problem anymore. No, it's Um, still there. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, so that's another thing you have to like, what's more important to you, time or money? If you're trying to build your own computer for the very first time and you have you've never really done it before, you're talking at least five to ten hours of research, I'd say. Yeah. So, A, you're not buying the wrong parts and B, you know what thermal paste is. (laughs) And uh, luckily at the time, uh, I think my mom's boyfriend, he has built several computers. So he was like, did you get thermal paste? I was like, did I get what? (laughs) And so he he helped me out and kind of helped me not look like a jackass. But yeah, you got to make sure you're buying the right parts uh, and you got to make sure there are cases. There's a million different case sizes now. I think I bought a I bought a micro motherboard once or is that many motherboards? I don't remember what they're Mm -hmm. called. Yeah, it worked. And so I used it and I just had a baby, a baby motherboard and a giant case. Hey, (laughs) got it. It I literally I have that right now. No shame. This is, yeah, I mean, no, no shame. I'm not a, I'm personally. I like the I like the visual of a larger motherboard, and it's just easy, like the, these graphics cards are ridiculous. They're yep. like the size of tablets now. Yep. Um, I I'd never get to see it because the way I have my computer set up, my desktop sits behind my monitor, so I don't get to look at the nice, pretty glass panel I have on it. But that motherboard or that uh, video card is serious, serious uh, hardware. If you're looking at buying or building, it's do you want to spend? Do you want to save a couple hundred dollars, or do you want to save? 10 hours of your life. And I mean, the other thing with building is it's cool. You know, you can say I did that. Yeah, I, it was it was very fun for me to take because I mean, when I upgraded my PC two years ago, I bought a brand new case, I bought a brand new motherboard, bought a brand new CPU. I think I upgraded my RAM again. I try to double my RAM every couple of years because it just feels good. Oh, um, and it's cheap. Every 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 now and then, every few years, the RAM just gets cheaper and cheaper. And, the, and I think I bought an, a second SSD. So I have, I think, two and a half terabytes of SSD space now, which is I, f- I feel amazing and it's still I'm still running out. <laughs> um, you got to just decide if you want money or time there. Um, I will say SSDs don't skip on the SSDs. Yeah. One of the biggest problems with uh, pre-builds is you're not going to find a pre-built that has a bigger than what I think 124 or a two six or 128 or 264. Like you're not going to those. Yep. Are the, it's usually one of those sized SSDs and then a terabyte HD. And it's just because they have them lying around and <laughs> they throw them in their computers and it's, it's whatever. I mean, you're, I'm sure it's not priced in there, but what I don't understand is SSDs aren't expensive anymore. Yeah. Even, even the new ones, even the, what are those things called? The PCI M2s? Oh yeah. 
I bought, I bought one of those because it was just cool to do it. And it was, I think, five extra dollars than the SATA SSDs. Also, less stuff you have to worry about in terms of going into the motherboard. It's already yeah, like, no cables. In. I'll tell you what, that that was hands down the hardest piece of hardware I've ever installed onto a motherboard. Really? It seems I, so simplistic. I've, it looks very simple, but it's not like RAM is simple because it's sideways and all the other stuff like PCI slots are sideways, right? It's just mm-hmm. line it up, slide it down. This is a weird like it lies flat on top of the motherboard. Mm-hmm. So you have to like anchor it in the back and then push it. It was just and it's very thin. I don't know. Maybe I got monkey fingers, but it's, no, no, it I know very, what you're talking about. I mean, I will say if you're looking at power supply units, the modulated ones, super awesome. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the biggest I don't know if you've seen those, but the, the biggest problems with old school like PSUs is just the alcohol. I'll use spaghetti again if you want This is the spaghetti of power cords you get inside your computer. And like you had to have some real cable management skills back in the day to have a nice clean PC. I still don't. And I know mine is modular. <laughs> It is what it, in fact, everything I mean, if it's not modular, I can't, I can't, I can't fault you for that. That it's, it's a, it's a rat's nest. It's insane. It's crazy. And it's very overwhelming. I I didn't even, honestly, when I bought my PSU, I didn't even know it was modular. I just happened to like buy a better one than I needed and it came and none of the cords were plugged in. And I was like, wow, that is a genius design. Thank (laughs) Christ. Um, And it's great. I actually, my case is even cooler. It has a separate. On one side, you take the panel off and it's where you access the power supply unit. And I think there's a couple of hard drive spaces on there. And the other side is how you get to the motherboard. Mm. So it's got a separate like boxed away power supply safe zone, I guess, in case it catches fire. Isn't that like the shroud or something? No, my bugging the shroud. I don't know what that is. <laughs> my input is this. In today's market, it is nearly impossible to build a computer based off what the GPU market looks like, but also possibly the CPU and how these things are continuously becoming the demand is more than the supply at the moment. And I don't really necessarily know the ins and outs of the business, but how they're producing it, I know it's not seeming to match up with what we're looking for, which it's, it's very hard because I built my computer two years ago. I followed like an Austin Evans video. I probably spent $300 on that computer and it is, I'm still using most of the same components. I'm using the same CPU and Ram that's still going. Everything else just swapped out, but I'm assuming you already had a GPU. No. So my, I bought a Ryzen 3 2200 G, which is an APU. And I was using that just to play like counter-strike and mm. a lot of, in a lot of games that were pretty much esports titles that didn't require that much effort. In fact, most of the time you would probably put the settings to low and the draw distance high. So that way you're able to, you know, see what's going on. And it would play games like Rainbow Six Siege without an issue. Oh, Granted, fun it, game. Fun yeah, game. It's amazing. Like I put way too many hours into that game, but it's one of those things where, you know what, this will get me started. And that's how I looked at it. And then eventually just got the GPU and I've been trying to get a 3000 series until I realized how much of a a situation it is. It doesn't make sense. I was that I was able to get a PS5 and at one point had an Xbox Series X in my cart ready to purchase. But I did not do it because I was just seeing the possibility like what how which one was harder to end up possessing. So, yeah, you got to buy both of them. That's the yeah, no, I can't. That's the real boss move as me flexing and just saying my electricity bill is going to be high as hell. But uh, I mean, lucky for me, I'm not. I have a friend of mine who's all he 
every two weeks he's telling me about some new graphics card they're working on and i'm like why why he buys new graphics cards like i don't know nobody's business i don't know i i've been very fortunate and the one that i have has been really holding out for me and again eight eight gigs it's hard to even i guarantee you i won't need a new one for another couple years the only i've thought about buying a new one but why am i going to spend a thousand dollars on something i don't need there's websites like build redux where they literally only charge you the 75 dollar that's the increase. Everything else is MSRP. So if you're buying yeah. the graphics card, you can buy the 3060. It's going to be a little longer than expected before the whole unit ships, but you can get it. It's not impossible. It's just I'm going to buy a brand new build in order to get it. And at that point, you're spending if you were going to spend that money and say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to help the scalpers because I really need this or want it. Whatever the situation looks like. Now, you don't have to. If you just buck up the extra 500, you get a brand new build. And guess what? If you had an old build. You can swap whatever parts and sell what you don't need. It's oh, that's pretty cool. Exactly. So it makes it interesting. So I'm curious to see if any places like are going to see a huge spike in numbers because of this, because I know NZXT, every time you go on their website, they are completely sold out. And if you go to certain websites, like even, well, not cyber power, but when you go to the bigger names, it seems to be like they're moving units so well, their supply is not reaching that demand. So it's very interesting, and I, I'm curious to see how this plays out. For those who are still waiting to get a GPU, you you might be waiting for a little longer. And when I say a little, let's just say this leans in for the remainder of the year. Especially if you're waiting for them to go down in price so you can get a GPU, because that's we're we're in the the age of cryptocurrency, and until they move off of GPUs, they're just gonna keep going up. Mm-hmm. So these things will continuously be a pain in the butt. I say if you can wait. Fine. If you don't need it for necessarily work, that's good. If you can catch an older card, if you get a 2080, a 1070, even a 1660, they're there. You just got to be on the money. So more power to you if you're continuously searching. I'm still going to end up searching. I don't know when I'm going to pull the trigger. I refuse to pay from scalpers unless it's like maybe $100 over MSRP because that's probably stay, stay strong. Stay strong. I can't even find it anymore. Stick it to the scalpers. Last thing, buy an SSD. Buy an SSD. They're amazing. Yes, or NVMe, whatever those things are called. Yeah, it'll, it'll, uh, it's worth yeah, it. They're still as long if it says SSD in there, buy that shit. It will <laughs> it will change your life. He's not wrong. I used to play Fortnite. I still do. <laughs> I know you hate it, so I'm saying it more. But getting it on the PlayStation as to compare it to play it on my Xbox One S, it is two different games. Like I launch it in like 10 seconds. As to the other one, I'm waiting a couple minutes. So get yeah. an SSD. Stick it to the scalpers. That might be the name of this episode. Stick it to the scalpers. (laughs) That's a good one. And I think it's time to wrap it up. And just like that, we are reaching the end of the podcast. I want to take two seconds to thank you so much for popping in, Andrew. We had some tech issues. I didn't get robbed. You got robbed. And and just, you know, I know life has been busy, so I'll leave this moment for you to just plug whatever you'd want to plug or just leave any remaining thoughts that you just had lingering. So the floor is yours. Oh, not at all. And thanks a lot for having me. I've had a really great time here chatting with you about lots of gaming stuff that I normally wouldn't really be talking about. Of course. Um, but yeah, the only thing I really have to plug is the band Raised by Tigers is our name. Playing music is used to be our game. Um, <laughs> yeah, we released our first EP last year. It's on Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, all those fun stuff. Uh, fun, fun streaming platforms. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I said it, but RaidsByTigers.com. We got a website. Go check it out there. If we end up playing live shows again, it'll be posted there. 
And yeah, you can check out Instagram, Race by Tigers Band, I think is our handle on Instagram. All the social links are on the website, so just head there. And yeah, keep gaming. Keep living the dream. No, no worries. I'm sorry it took so long to happen. I was glad to have you there. I feel like it's been a while since I've had a conversation with a person. <laughs> but yes, uh, as for me, it is the same old game. Obviously, if you type in we'll see blogs on the old Googles, you can find me anywhere. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Don't use Facebook that much. You can't find it on Reddit, but TikTok. I don't know. Kids use that, right? You can follow me anywhere there. That's fine. You'll probably catch me giving hot takes or yelling or reviewing something from The Escapist or one of the other publications that I keep in relations with. You never really know what's in the pipeline because I don't know what's in the pipeline. So feel free to hit me up there. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning into the We'll See Vlogs podcast. All I can say is uh, keep on gaming, keep smiling, be awesome, and don't do illegal drugs and get caught. Okay? There's that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it depends what you're using, but whatever. As long as it don't bother nobody else, it's all good. All right? Take care of yourself, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.